0: What's up, Break Hard Podcast, back again this week, and buddy, I am fired up tonight, recording on a Sunday night, I think maybe for the first time ever, potentially, regardless of the fact of what day it is that we're recording, NASCAR had all three series of the the Daytona Road Course this weekend, and what a absolute shit show all three races were, an absolute Embarrassment for road racing in NASCAR We'll get into what happened on Friday night Which was absolutely absurd Uh, Later Saturday night Also completely absurd But first, we gotta talk about the Cup Series race that just ended Chase Elliott Well on his way to to victory And uh, if you've listened to this podcast for a while Followed the Twitter account Followed the blog We are not a necessarily pro chase elliott platform here not that i'm anti chase elliott especially now that he has a championship it makes my argument a lot worse now but i don't like to see people get wins literally stolen from them and that's what happened today for chase elliott there's sprinkles around the racetrack literal sprinkles like you could walk outside and potentially not even realize that it was raining nascar throws a caution because when there's rain in the track conditions change, they throw a caution to allow teams to put wet weather tires on. As if teams have no clue that they could put wet weather tires on when the green flag's out. Oh, the green flag's out. We can only do slicks. Wet weather tires would never even cross our minds. Why would we do that? It's, it's green. Green means slicks. Caution means, oh, we can use wet weather tires now, rain tires. Oh, it was so absurd. Eddie DeHaan came over the radio, Chase Elliott's spotter, and said, caution for weather and NASCAR uh, turn two. And uh, Chase just keyed up the radio and said, no, it's not. Meaning the caution wasn't for rain. The caution was because it was going to be a stinker of a finish with Chase Elliott running away for his fifth consecutive road course win in a row. Instead... NASCAR throws a caution for teams to come in and put rain tires on if they want to. You know how many teams put on rain tires? Exactly zero. Why? Because it didn't fucking rain. There was no rain. This was like a flashback to, what year was that, 2000 and, oh man, maybe nine? Malaysia, F1, Michael Schumacher was a uh, special advisor to Ferrari, He told him to put rain tires on at Malaysia because it was going to rain. It did not rain at all. And Ferrari, in typical Ferrari fashion, kind of fucked themselves out of having a decent finish. But that's to go forward and say, today, we had a caution for rain. There was no rain. The rain never came. It sprinkled, sure. It maybe made the track a little slick in spots, but not enough to ever even consider putting on rain tires. But here we were, with a stupid caution... Chase Elliott has a massive lead, caution comes out, all of a sudden now people stay out, of course, because why would you pit to put rain tires on? Other people pitted to get fresh slicks, because it was an opportunity to put fresh slick tires on, because why? It didn't rain. And uh, the Daytona Road Course does surprisingly eat tires pretty damn well, like to the tune of four seconds over basically 12 laps. Um, So yeah, they pit, Chase Elliott and, and those guys come out further back. And then what happens on the restart, what NASCAR always hopes to have happen on the restart, absolute carnage. You have people sliding off, people going off into the grass, Chase gets forced off into the grass. How he didn't wreck is a testament to his just driving ability, his car control, because uh, a number of guys would have looped it in the grass right there, taking out the signs. And of course, he then goes down and punts. That's on the next restart. Hang on. Rewind. So Chase and those guys, he gets back on. He's in 14th at that point. His race is pretty much done. 14th position with like 10 or 9 laps to go. Tyler Reddick ran through um, ran through the grass down into the International Horseshoe, hit one of those signs that also has the uh, sandbags in it. Somehow caught his car on fire. So he's stopped on track now. His car's burning. Safety crew comes out. They do their business. Meanwhile, there's a caution. We restart. Chase trying to come back up through the field. I think he's up in like 8th. And uh, he just punts Corey LaJoy. This is after Martin Truex Jr. spun getting into turn one on the restart and hit Christopher Bell. Spun it around. He luckily didn't collect anybody else. Chase punts LaJoy off into turn five. Uh, I believe it's turn five. That brings out another caution, of course, because there's a car stuck in the tire barrier. LaJoy gets it out. He was on pace for back-to-back top ten finishes. LaJoy was. And that would have been huge for him. Obviously, that didn't happen. So now Chase has front-end damage he's not gonna win the race at all we restart again uh now the third restart after a bullshit caution and uh uh larson spins it into turn six i believe that's the one that goes back out into nascar turn one on the oval and uh he he puts it into the barriers the next lap or two laps later fucking chase trying to cross over Brad, who was driving like a madman. Brad had nine incidents and still finished fifth. Like, I don't even know how that guy even managed to to hold on for that position or get back up there. It's a testament to him just refusing to lay down, essentially. So, Brad um, he's blocking, he's going through the grass, he's deep diving on Chase to try to hold position, which is his right, but also at the same time, like, you're going to lose the position, because Chase was just that much faster, you, in hindsight, you probably should just let him go, instead of, like, costing yourself time, and to Brad's credit, like, he did manage to hang on, um, but, but Chase goes and, uh, tries to cross over on him, getting out onto the, uh, NASCAR oval again, and Denny tags him, which wasn't really Denny's, Fault Or Chase crossed over thinking Denny was not going to be there. Denny didn't expect Chase to, I guess, maybe cross over. I don't know. Spins Chase around. His race uh, pretty much ruined. He came home uh, 21st. Led 44 of 70 laps. Comes home 21st because of a bullshit caution. So, uh, yeah. Just not a good day for him. A terrible look for NASCAR. They just... Throwing that caution for absolutely no reason because there was not rain at all, uh, just descended this race into absolute chaos, which is what they want. We said this before. And I'll say it again. NASCAR is an entertainment product first; it's a sport second. We need ratings before we need you know the integrity of the sport to to even matter. So, what they wanted was exactly what happened: carnage, cars spinning, a uh, first-time winner in Christopher Bell. Shout out Christopher Bell, like. I, This shouldn't take away from what he accomplished. He was great all day. Um, uh, Second to last lap pass for the lead. Like, this is what NASCAR wanted. Surprise people in the top ten: AJ Allmendinger and colleagues. First Cup race comes home P seven. Michael McDowell, last week's winner of the Daytona five hundred, P eight. First time starting the season with back to back top fives for him. Maybe the first time in his career he's had back to back top fives, I believe. Ryan Priest had a huge run last week, finished sixth in the five hundred. Comes home ninth today, and then Alex Bowman, who was non existent all day, rounds out the top ten, uh, starting thirty six. So that should help him out for next week, uh, at least in the starting lineup at Homestead. But when you look at what happened. There's absolutely no excuse for for what NASCAR did today, and Chase Elliott and all, he had every right to completely scorch NASCAR uh, after the race, and he didn't, which is, I guess makes him a better person than most of us, because he got robbed. He essentially got robbed of a victory, all because NASCAR likely just didn't want to see another snoozer of a finish, which last year at the Daytona Road Course, that race was a snoozer, but that's... When I say snoozer, I don't mean like it wasn't interesting. It was interesting, but from a NASCAR standpoint, and this is where NASCAR has all of our brains just kind of fucked up, is we, we NASCAR has us so trained to think that like races need beating and banging and people spinning and you know, dumping each other and fights. It doesn't need to happen like that. Does any car have that? No, are IndyCar races great? Yes. You don't need all this nonsense, but here we are and and what does it gain? Oh, you get a couple, like, social media tweets or likes. We'll get a couple retweets here and there. But at what, at what cost? With the integrity of the sport, you're going to just jeopardize all of that, which I know I shouldn't even talk about the integrity of the sport because NASCAR has lost their integrity years ago. I mean, this is all a dog and pony show at this point. This isn't about a sport. Like, this isn't ran by the FIA, which they make stupid t- decisions too, but you don't see them throwing cautions for for the lightest of light precipitation. NASCAR saw a rainbow, and they're like, how do you get rainbows? And somebody said, oh, it must be raining. They threw a fucking flag. They just have no idea how anything works. But that's NASCAR in a nutshell, though. Just completely oblivious to what is going on literally at any time. So Chase Elliott should have won, should have locked himself into the playoffs already, should have won his fifth uh, road course race in a row. That doesn't happen. And on a personal level, not even a personal level, but as a fan of the sport, nobody's ever won five road courses in a row. Not that I know of, at least I don't think Gordon did it. So at what point do you let the not let it happen? What what am I saying? What do you mean? What do I mean? Let it happen. He winning the race without a bullshit caution isn't letting it happen. Like NASCAR again, NASCAR doesn't need to throw cautions, but we're so accustomed to NASCAR throwing cautions for no reason. I just said they should let it happen. This is WWE. It's so stupid, but. I gotta check out this Jeff Gordon thing real quick. I'm pretty sure he won four in a row, but I just want to double check because you guys come here for reputable information, and I'm here to give it to you. Let me look. Gordon, 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 Gordon. Okay. One, two. That's three. Uh four. Five. Never mind. Gordon did win five. Six. Six in a row? Fucking a. Let me just double-check that one more time here because I don't want to be wrong. All right, 1997, he wins Watkins Glen. 1998, he wins Sonoma. He wins Watkins Glen. That's three in a row. 1999, he wins Sonoma. That's four. Watkins Glen, that's five. Uh, 2000, wins Sonoma. That's six in a row. All right, I take it back. Sorry, Chase Elliott, you stink. Um, It would have been nice If he would have been able to win five, could have gone on to try for six when we get to Coda. Coda's our next one, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coda is our next one. Then potentially Sonoma. I'm not, I don't think that race is actually going to happen. I think we're going to see. Oh boy, that's an SMI or a, uh, yeah, that's an SMI track. So do they run the Charlotte Roval twice? Does NASC, ooh, they could do CODA twice, but I doubt they do that. Oh, they could do CODA long and CODA short, potentially, maybe. I don't know about that because they're renting the the property. What I don't want to see happen is Sonoma gets canceled and SMI is like, oh, we'll replace it with a second date at Texas because if that happens, we'll riot. I'll I'll drive down there and beat Eddie Gossage for that happening. I'm not actually going to do that. Eddie, uh, for as dumb as he is on Twitter, I think he is a decent guy. So, Chase Elliott doesn't get it done. Uh that's that whole rant that's what that I could have just summed it up and just saying Chase Elliott didn't get it done. But instead now we're twelve minutes in um from me just breaking down one of the dumbest things I've ever I've seen in NASCAR history in a long time, and that's a pretty dumb thing. This was Brian France level NASCAR today. This wasn't Jim France NASCAR. I don't know where Jim France was, but I want to find him and I need to talk to him about this decision. Um I'm sure Steve O'Donnell and Phelps will have something to say that's somehow a positive spin on it, but Whatever, Christopher Bell becomes a first-time winner in in his 38th career start. It wasn't too long ago, literally three years ago, four years ago, three years ago, that we were talking about how got, drivers need 100 career starts before they'll finally start winning races, before they start figuring out. Cole Custer didn't need that last year. Granted, he maybe lucked into that one, but he was still there on speed, put himself in position to win at Kentucky. And Christopher Bell today just drove up there and took the lead in one in his 38th career start. You don't need 100 starts. You just need to be good. And, like, granted, those guys both have really good cars. Chase Elliott had pretty good race cars, too. Took him 100 races. Kyle Larson took him 100 races. Eric Jones, 100 races. Like, what are we doing? Uh, William Byron, 100 races. Then you got Christopher Bell out here, and he's just like, yeah, dude, I mean, we were great today <laughs> and just drove up there and won on a rope course. Uh, in his second start with this team. He ran last year for the 95 uh, at LFR, which has obviously closed down now. And now he moved over to the 20, replacing Eric Jones. He wins in his second career start. Eric Jones took him, yeah, like 100 races before he finally won that summer Daytona race. And what was that? 2018? So it's just, I mean, a lot of, que- lot of questionable talent out there right now when you have guys like Chris Rebell's a talent. Chris Rebell is clearly a talent. Like, there's a reason Gibbs was so high on him. And, like, he's going to win more races. He'll probably win again this year. I'm not even... That's not even out of the fucking question. He will win again this year. I'm almost certain that'll happen. He's a good road racer, too. I mean, he won Road America in the Xfinity Series. Never thought... Never pegged him as a road guy. Um, But seemingly dirt guys are always pretty decent on road courses. Gordon, Stewart, Casey Kane was always relatively good... Uh, Larson is decent on road courses. Granted, Kyle Larson putting it into the wall with, uh, you know, in the winding, in the waning laps of the race while he's running top five felt normal. Like it it felt pre pandemic normal. And I'm happy about that. Like I like Kyle Larson as a race car driver. I think he's a hell of a talent, but there's just something about like this comforting feeling, seeing Kyle Larson going for a win and then just kind of hitting the wall and giving it away. Like I'm, I'm used to that. I'm used to, like, the government lies to me. I know the government lies to me. I know Kyle Larson's good, and I know he's going to wreck every week, and I'm fine with that. It's fun while it lasts. So, Larson uh, easily could have had back-to-back top tens. He instead comes home 30th. Damn. That's bad. That's actually bad. And uh, William Byron came home 33rd. He was just limping there at the end. The broadcast made zero mention of it, which was part for the course. Kyle Busch had an absolutely disastrous day. Uh, first lap of the race coming out of turn one, he gets a, the right front off into the grass, and it just grabbed the splitter, bent up the uh, the whole right front of the car, the bumper. So his day was kind of done from the beginning. And then he had a flat tire coming out of the final chicane and tried to fight two guys into the infield by banging doors with them. And uh, he he finally... Cross the finish line as uh, Christopher Bell was basically pulling up to start-finish again uh, after his cooldown lap. So, horrible day for him. Matt DiBenedetto. Uh, absolute disastrous start of the season for he and that Wood Brothers team. They have a total of five points this year. Five. Through two races. Like, I, Quinn Huff is the only one that I think has less points. Let me look. Hang on. We'll check the standings to double-check. Um... All right, Derek Cope has a point. Eric, Oh, no, I take it back. Eric Jones has started both races this year. He has two points. Oh, this hasn't been updated yet. Wait, has it? Oh, my bad, guys. I was looking at the standings. Um, Well, I don't think this has been updated. There's no way Eric Jones can only have one point. He got no points last week. That, don't make, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this hasn't been updated. What is going on here? Like, it has been, but it hasn't. Nah. No, it definitely hasn't. There's no way, because then he finished fifth. He has to have more than 52 points for the season. All right, whatever. I'll come back to that later. There's no sense in me just sitting here talking about that for no reason. But yeah, the... um, Cup race on, yeah, he got 52 points today on top of his, what, P4 last week? Okay, forget it. So, 70-lap uh, race today, eight cautions for 12 laps. NASCAR actually got a better today at just getting through the cautions quicker uh, than they have or did you know, Friday night, Jesus, and Saturday, which was also just as bad uh, two hour and fifty nine minute race coming in under three hours, which I think is what everybody aimed for. Somehow this race was twenty six laps longer than Friday night's truck race, and twenty no, yeah twenty six laps longer, and um, somehow it's only fifteen minutes longer, which says a lot about the truck race. So forty nine point six green flag uh, passes, which is definitely aided by the caution that we had. And stage racing again, I say it every time we go to road course. So, like you're gonna get tired of hearing me say this if I keep doing this podcast all year. Get rid of stages on road courses. We have seven road courses this year. There's no sense in having stages, it kills all the strategy. We need strategy. And unfortunately, anytime there is even a sniff of strategy that's gonna have to play out in these races, NASCAR throws the caution and Fox celebrates because then they don't have to try to explain it to the quote casual viewer. Let me tell you, there's not a whole bunch of casual viewers turning in to watch this nonsense week in and week out. Let it run out with a strategy. If we have a fuel mileage race, great. You know how much fun fuel mileage races are? They're fantastic. Oh, a couple people didn't like them in a focus group. That's because they're dumb. They didn't watch uh, Michigan 2009, I believe it was 2009, when like four people ran out and Mark Martin won. That's phenomenal. We need more of that. Oh, yeah, Dale Jr. ran out of gas one time at the Coke 600, and all, all of a sudden, and that Las Vegas race in, what was that, like 2014, I think? Um, now, all of a sudden, we can't have fuel mileage races anymore because Dale didn't win. Ugh, NASCAR's got me fired up tonight. I had to take a drink of water. That's how fired up I am. All right, but we're off to Homestead next week. Uh, still not running a low or high horsepower, low downforce. We're running the stupid 550 high downforce package. (coughs) I don't have COVID. I just got something in my throat. But that's what's happening next week at Homestead. Saturday race, 330 TV window open. So that's probably like a 346 green flag for a 400-mile race on a track that eats tires on a Sunday night East Coast. That stinks. This race will definitely finish under the lights, though. So I guess that's good. But um really interested to see how Christopher Bell rips the wall there in a cup car, uh, especially with uh, Gibbs, Gibbs equipment. Um, not that LFR wasn't great or good equipment, but this is great equipment. And then uh, this should be Larson's coming out party for Hendrick. Like super speed a throwaway road course is always a wild card, especially when NASCAR throws nonsense cautions. So we'll see how that happens next week. But we got to talk about Friday night and Saturday night real quick. Uh, before i get off this podcast here because friday night truck race was an absolute shit show it was a disaster 44 laps around the daytona road course 44 like shouldn't be that big of a deal sorry about that ad pop-up here on racing reference shout out racing reference shouldn't be that big of a deal two hours and 45 minutes for a 44-lap race. Are you kidding me right now? The cup race is two hours and 59 minutes. And with 26 more laps. Do you know how many more laps that is? Time-wise? That's what I meant. Not, not You You obviously know that. I'm, I'm talking like damn near an, uh, 50-something minutes more. Over an hour probably. 26. Uh, yeah. It's insane. But here we are. Talking about, a, But here we are talking about a triple overtime finish for the truck race. A race that was only scheduled to 44 laps, ended up being 51. Ben Rhodes goes back-to-back, won the oval race at Daytona, won the road course at Daytona. Sheldon Creek comes home second. Sheldon Creek definitely probably had the best truck all night. John Hunter Nemechek came home f- uh, third. Uh, his best run so far for for uh, KBM. But, man, it was just disaster after disaster after disaster in this race get rid of stages because the uh the 04 cory roper spun early and or at the end of stage number one brought the caution out they, they ran two laps of caution for a one-lap shootout which is once again the dumbest thing that nascar does currently on a consistent basis i should preface that to go right back under caution which it says caution for one lap that's not even true that's a hundred percent not true we're definitely under caution for more than one lap. So, raising reference, you're wrong. And then, John Hunter Niemenschuk runs out of gas at the end of stage two. Which then brings out another caution. So, we're under caution for four laps for John Hunter stopped. That ends the stage. And somehow they're like, we go back. Again, they're lying about this. Multiple four-lap cautions. That's insane. Absolutely insane. So then, yeah, they didn't list the end of stage two. Okay. All right. All right. So then we just finally get down to it. There's a caution for the 16 truck stopped in turn nine on lap 40. This is a 44 lap race. Remember that. So we go back to green on lap 42. And there's a caution because there's, of course, an accident of Tanner Gray and uh, Sam Mayer. So then we're under caution for, for two laps. And then we go back green for the first overtime. We make it not even one lap, the 22 and the 38 wreck. So then we go under caution again. And then we get the green, and now Jennifer Jo Cobb stopped on track. And then we get the green, and then the 44 stops on track. And that ends the race because they finally took the white flag and put everybody out of their misery. But it's like, what are we doing out here? Ten cautions for 20 laps in a 44-lap race. Damn near half the race was running under caution. Just an unbelievable amount of... Is ineptness a word? Ineptitude? They're just not good. There's so many bad drivers in the truck series. There's good drivers, too. Don't get me wrong. There's good drivers in the truck series. But for every good driver, there's a really bad driver. Bobby Roos in the three truck. Shout out Jordan Anderson, who's had decent success in that truck. Like, not winning, but, like, for what it is, pretty good run. He put Bobby Roos in there, and... (laughs) Sheldon Creed was leading, going out of turn six onto the NASCAR turn one. And the three truck just was like, fuck it, I'm not making the corner. I'm just going to hit the two truck and use him to turn me. And he just drove straight into the door of Sheldon Creed. And then just kind of continued on. No big deal. Like, what? What are you guys doing out here? Makes no sense. Chase Purdy. Shout out one of our Arca boys there. But that dude was lost on this road course. I don't know if they have road courses at... Where's he from? Alabama, I think. They definitely don't have road courses in Alabama. No, he's from Mississippi. They for sure don't have road courses in Mississippi, because I think he goes to Ole Miss. Um, they only make left hand turns in that state, and that's a proven fact. So he was completely lost. At one point, he was going like 20 mile an hour slower than everybody else on the backstretch. For what reason? No, no reason. He's just trying to figure out where the next turn was going to be at. So hopefully he can he can get it back because uh, he is a decent race car driver. But, man, he was just, fuck, not even there. Parker Chase had a really good run going in that 51 truck for Kyle Busch. Uh, GT driver in uh, IMSA. Uh, got turned. Getting I believe he got turned getting into the final chicane on the front stretch there uh, before the start finish line. He came home 23rd. but That's not indicative of where he ran. He ran top 10 all night. And then... Uh, yeah, Wallace Allen made his first start. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Zane Smith, bad, bad race for for old Zane there. Just a lot of nonsense in this race. A lot of nonsense. Kaz Grala hopped in the O2 car because the truck, some reason Chris Wright jumped out of that truck to run the Sam Hunt number 26 Xfinity car on Saturday, which I thought he was running the O2 truck for the championship this year, but... Whatever. I don't understand necessarily what his end goal is in all of this. And then um Yeah. Todd Gillen came on fourth. Riley Herbst fifth. Uh Derek Krauss seventh. Well, Crafton was sixth. Casgarl eighth. Timmy Timmy Hill and ninth. And uh Christian Eckes, P ten. I can't believe Timmy Hill got a top ten. Good for those guys. That fifty-six truck. They're always just kind of hanging around. Um, getting a good run every now and then. Uh, obligatory Haley Deegan mentioned she decided to go off-roading and, uh, didn't work. 28th, I believe, for her. But, uh, that's not gonna stop Michael Walter from thinking that she has a shot to win from 11th on a restart. Uh, on one of the overtime restarts. Oh, she's still in it. Is she? Who's winning from 11th? That's absurd. This isn't 2012. Her name's not James Busher, And this isn't the the Daytona Oval. So, it's not happening. All right. Got to talk Xfinity real quick. Um, two hours and 35 minutes to run 56 laps. Shorter than the 56 laps, which is longer than the um, truck race. And it took less time, which is preposterous. Ty Gibbs picks up his first career win and his first career Xfinity start. Uh, if you follow the Twitter, if you all break Heart on Twitter or the blog, you will know that I am a Ty Gibbs skeptic for a decent reason. He's only ever been in the ARCA series, ARCA East, ARCA West, and the ARCA Full um, National series last year. He's run the full ARCA National this year. He has the best equipment in ARCA by 18 miles. I'll use his car number. It's not even close how much better his equipment is than everybody else's. Go to an ARCA race one time, walk around the pits if you can. I don't know which track is closest to you. But having been to a number of ARCA races that he's participated in or that Gibbs has been at in general with either he or Riley Herbst, their setup, hauler, equipment, crew, cars, literally everything is so much higher than everybody else's. When you have people out there with a low pro jack from Harbor Freight trying to pick cars with a battery powered impact. And then you look down and you see the Gibbs ARCA program with a full-size cup pit box, TVs, data, fuck, everything. A full-size cup hauler out there. And I the hauler, the hauler thing, a lot of these guys have, have uh, full-size haulers in ARCA. Um, but it's hard to judge talent when your equipment's so much better. We see this with a number of young guys. Specifically coming up through the ranks, K&N East West, when it was K&N East West, now it's Arca East and West. Um, is that their equipment is so much better and it can mask it can mask flaws in their driver ability. And we saw that with Dylan Wozneski. He looked great in K&N. Guess what happened when he got up to the Xfinity series? Stunk. He's selling real estate in Charlotte now. That's how bad it went for him. Todd Gillen, another guy who was like, oh, he is a can't-miss town. He was the number one prospect on TRD's big board for for a number of years, three or four years. Everybody was like, this guy is a can't-miss town. Guess what? He's a meddling truck driver at best. Why? Because as soon as he's up against competition and people in equal equipment, it really levels the playing field. And what was masking your inability as a driver before is now exploited because you have no idea what's happening. And that's what I question about Ty Gibbs. And I'm still going to question it for a number of reasons. First, he's in the best equipment money can buy again, and he's never going to not be in good equipment. And I know people are like, well, there's a number of guys that have never been in not good equipment. And you're not wrong. But for the most part, they've been in equipment at lower series or in other series where I'm like, mm, "It's you can at least judge town. And then you look at a guy like Ty Gibbs, who won ARCA races last year, I think to the tune of maybe eight, maybe not eight entirely. I'm on racing records. I can just look at it. I'll look at it right now. He won, what year was that? 2020. He won six races last year. So he won six ARCA races last year and 16 starts, 12 top fives, 14 top tens, um, and finished fifth in the fifth in the standings he's just he what's a good what's a good term for spoiled privileged privileged that's probably a good one privilege gives him the ability to one be in the best equipment money can buy and two say whatever he wants when he's not correct and then just blame it on being passionate um because not everybody could say what he did after the ARCA race and have zero repercussions and nobody question it. Um, but there's Ty Gibbs. So he's, he's 18 now. He makes his first career Xfinity start, uh, Saturday night at the, uh, Daytona road course in the 54 car. And he's going to run a number of races in the 54 this year, splitting it with, uh, what four other drivers. And, um, he, he's a good road racer. Don't get me wrong. I think Ty Gibbs is a decent road racer. He ran second at the Daytona Road Course last year to Michael Self, who's a hell of a road course racer in the Arca Series um, in a night race in the rain, which was fantastic. But uh, Ty was definitely the benefactor of Austin Sendrick and AJ Allmendinger clashing at the end of Stage 1, which I still don't know what AJ was thinking there, trying to come down on Cendric, who was clearly there. And Sendrick, like... Just kind of held his line, and AJ kept coming down and hooking himself. And Austin just eventually just hooked him and spun him because, like, that was how this was going to end. But it ruined Austin's car, just ripped the uh, whole right front fender off of that car. And AJ was done because it grabbed the splitter and just destroyed his day. Um, I think both would just not do that again. But you took out the two best cars, clearly the two best cars. They were seven seconds ahead of third place, like, it wasn't even close. And, um, now you put Ty Gibbs out there, who's a good road racer, and he still had to fight Austin Cindrick, who was missing half the bumper, front bumper of the car, and, um, and now we're supposed to be like, oh, Ty Gibbs is this great talent. Like, listen, I think Ty Gibbs might be talented. He's at least a talented road racer. I'll give you that. But he barely beat a guy that was missing half the nose. A very crucial part of a race car, especially in NASCAR in his current time, with Downforce being a pertinent as it is and yet we're here like oh Ty Gibbs is a future champion like bro he barely beat a dude with half a race car and like granted he still had to beat the rest of the field there's a lot of really bad road racers in the Xfinity series like so bad like they just make so many mistakes and it's so aggravating but he won good for him first career start I don't know what his next start's gonna be but I'm more honest to see how Ty Gibbs does on ovals um because that's what majority of nascar races are on it's just i don't know man there's still just something about having the best equipment and yeah granted he got to keep himself up there and you could be like yeah daniel hemrick and brandon jones are in the same equipment they finished third and fourth yeah they didn't win so like maybe ty is just that much more talented and again i think he's a good road racer i think he's at least talented on road courses where I question him is on the shorter tracks and on intermediates because he definitely makes a lot of mistakes. Like, man, that Gibbs equipment so good you shouldn't be you you should win every race essentially in ARCA. And uh, Sam Mayer, Sam Mayer might be Ty Gibbs' kryptonite, and it'll be interesting to see when Sam Mayer gets in the uh, uh, Xfinity series this year with the uh, ACAR. car this summer when he turns eighteen. Just exactly. What he's able to to do in it, um, because he's now the new campus prospect. Sam Mayer is, and he's aligned with Chevy, and Chevy seems to think pretty highly of him. So I don't know. I don't think. I, I again, I'm not sold on Ty Gibbs, and not that anybody's here for my opinion on driver development and future prospects, but I definitely think there are better prospects out there than Ty Gibbs right now, even though he just won an arc or a Xfinity race on the Daytona Road Course. Um. yeah, I mean, he won, got himself uh, the trophy, got Grandpa a trophy. There's just still a lot with Ty Gibbs that I question. And again, it's probably because he's 18, hasn't had a whole lot of racing to do, and the fact that he's still in great equipment. Um, but there's... There's something wrong with NASCAR when literally every young driver can be linked back to either a former driver or somebody that's, like, prominent in the sport. Like, Ty Gibbs, Joe Gibbs' grandson. Austin Sendrick, Tim Sendrick's son, president of Team Penske. Daniel Hamrick made it here on his own. Um, Brandon Jones, his dad, does the president of Ream, I believe. So, like, there's a reason... His car is sponsored because it's his dad. Jeff Burton, Ward Burton's son. Harrison Burton, Jeff Burton's son. Um, Miguel Paluto, just here on talent. Brandon Brown, here on talent. Justin Haley, parents are loaded. Um, Jerry Clements, here on talent. Brett Moffitt, not related to to uh, old Richard. Myatt Snyder, dad is a uh, prominent figure in NASCAR media. Jesse Little, dad's a former race car driver. Michael Annette, dad's rich. Um, the list just goes on and on, like... it it, there's so many people here just through nepotism and like i don't know if that's good for the future of the sport when half the half the uh half the finishing order is all guys that have uh, just gotten here because of their last name like there's definitely good race car drivers out there that never get a shot at nascar because they just don't have the money and their name unfortunately isn't you know cendrick gibbs uh burton something like that there's so many short track guys. Josh Berry a perfect example of that. That it just will never get a shot at the big time because they just don't have the money. And their parents aren't somebody that's in the sport. Like nepotism runs so deep right now. It's crazy to me. But um guess it doesn't matter if sponsors keep hopping on cars. And, uh, you know, is what it is, as, the, as they say. So uh, Ty Gibbs wins. Shit, I just backed out of the page. I was going to... Miguel Paluto, P7, uh, and his first start in NASCAR in quite a while, I believe. Uh, let's look at this. It's his first XFINITY start since 2012 when he was 28. He is now 37. And uh, it's his first uh, NASCAR start overall since 2013 when he ran a full season in the truck series. So, yeah, I mean... Good for Miguel Paluto. He's got two more races with JRM, I believe. Um, so maybe he can turn that around. And then uh, Brandon Brown came home eighth. Huge run for those guys. And same with Jeremy Clements. Or Clements. Uh, shout out Steve Carnes. Uh, his company will be sponsoring that 51 truck or car a number of times this season. Um, as, as it progresses. Uh, one person I did want to give a shout out to was... Andy Lally came home 31st. That's not indicative of where he ran. He ran top 10 most of the night. Obviously, NASCAR's stupid no qualifying rules really screwed a lot of teams out of being able to run these first few races until we get to qualify again uh, when they rained out qualifying at Daytona last weekend on the Oval. So he was slated to run the O3, but because qualifying got rained out, the O3 has no points, meaning that they can't run until they can qualify so he went and bought the 99 from BJ McLeod for this weekend. Hopped in that and uh, ran really well for what I, what wasn't R Motorsports prepared entry um, with BJ McLeod racing as the owner. And uh, spun, got turned, hit Allgaier. Uh, he apologized to Allgaier for for what happened. Allgaier came him 26. That's terrible. And um, but yeah, Lally, super good run. Hopefully he can come back. <laughs> Natalie Decker was in this race. She was out of this race three laps into it. So about par for the course there. For the uh, old girl out of Wisconsin, Riley Herbst, mm-hmm. destroyed another car. Um, so that's two for two this season. And Tony's just looking at his pocketbook like, oh, no. Oh, no. It's going to happen, isn't it? We're going to put ourselves out of business here. Kind of like that 60 uh, Roush Fenway car did a couple years ago. All right. I think 40 minutes of me talking to myself is probably enough for, for one week. Um, and you guys are probably going to get tired of hearing my voice talking about it. But yeah, uh, hopefully NASCAR doesn't throw any more bullshit cautions on road courses this year. And we don't have to deal with that. Off to Homestead, Xfinity race Saturday, I believe it's like 4.30. And then a cup race on Sunday at 3.30, probably 3.46 green flag. Tune in then. Um, follow... Myself on Twitter at breakhard underscore Zach at Zach Miles two. Uh always on there talking racing, iRacing. Tried to run a three hour race, uh, endurance VRS this weekend on iRacing. Fucked up the registration. Zach had to run all three hours by himself. But I was there to commentate. So not the worst uh weekend overall, but man, I'm I think I'm just tired of the Did road course. Uh if NASCAR wants to go to one of the road courses that they own, let's go to let's go to Road Atlanta next. We don't need to go to Daytona back-to-back, but at least we're off to Homestead now. So we'll be back next week. I'm definitely going to recap Homestead just because it's the first oval race of the year, and then we'll just keep doing this on a week-by-week basis. We'll see how it goes. Um, Until then, like I said, follow us on Twitter. uh, Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Do whatever you want. We'll be back next week uh, to talk some Homestead.